Hey guys, Chris Algieri here, and you're listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. What's going on, champ? Not much. Just uh, freezing my ass off in, in New York. Well, first of all, thanks for coming on. Absolutely, absolutely. My I, pleasure. And I was going to ask you, why would you leave sunny Florida <laughs> to get up to New York City in this horrible weather? Um, I, I'm actually up, up for work. I mean, it's, it's always good to come see my family, but um, I'm working with a, a fighter who fights uh, on Wednesday at BB King's, Noel Murphy. He's uh, He's got a fight coming up. I, mean, I know his manager really well. He wanted to help with nutrition, so... Yeah, I want to talk to you about your nutrition. You can help mm-hmm. me get a six-pack before my next vacation. Let's go. You have to uh, ignore my slur. I just had a root canal done like two hours ago. Yikes. But I was stoked about the interview, so I couldn't pass it up. Oh, you had it done today? Yeah, like oh. three hours ago. God damn. I had a 9 a.m., and we're going to introduce Ed in a second. 9 a.m., they're like, yeah, I have a root canal. And that's why I'm like, I'm not, I wasn't going to cancel with you. I know you're going back to Florida. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> well, you're my fourth boxer I had on. We had Jerry Cooney on. He comes on too much. He's on My all the time. My buddy Jerry. I've been on Jerry's show like six or Oh, it's Sirius XM. Yeah. Oh, yeah, how yeah, great yeah, is that? I've been he doing does... that for the past five, six years. With the commish. How great is the commish? The commish is Randy, awesome. Randy, he's, oh, he's awesome. great. Yep, yep. Who else? I had Marcus Brown on before the Olympics. Oh, nice. He's a good dude. He yep. went Hollywood on me, though. Uh-oh. That, that was the agreement because he was before he went to London. Okay. So I'm like, dude, here's the deal. I'm starting my podcast. You're starting as a boxer. Mm-hmm. The better we get, he's like, dude, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like around three months ago, I hit him up. I'm like, Marcus, he remembers me. He's like, you like my first interview. I'm like, yeah, dude, come back on. He's like, all right, hit up my publicist. I'm like, oh, you went to all Hollywood? Oh, damn. And then we had, we had Mick Conlon on, and you're the first champ, so I'm stoked to have you on, man. Nah, I appreciate it. Good, good to be here. Long Island dude, born and raised? Yes, sir. Are you a bridging tunnel guy? You stayed local when you partied? No, I was more a local guy. Huntington Village. You know, you don't have to go too far if you're in Huntington. Uh, no, no, you don't. No. If Chris Algieri looks at pictures from 10 years ago, what are you most embarrassed about? Because I know a lot of Long Island dudes. What's the worst uh, style you had? Cornrows. Oh, did you? Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So, so I, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of known for having long hair in between fights. Okay. Um, and when I was a kid, a teenager, um, I was a professional kickboxer at 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So I, I had pro fights, and so I've been wearing headgear for 15 years now. And uh, you got long hair; you can't fight with long hair. So I would, I would row my hair up, corn row it up, and then go out there and fight. Oh, that's a horrible, horrible, horrible look. Horrible look, but you, I didn't care. I just wanted to fight, and I wanted to keep my hair long. <laughs> and, and you stayed local for college, Stony Brook guy. Yeah, Stony Brook University for, for my undergraduate, and I got my master's degree from uh, New York Institute of Technology. The Seawolves. The Seawolves, yeah. Now, do you work with them now? Because I Googled oh, yeah. you. Yeah, I'm, I'm back with them now. I'm, I'm a nutritional consultant for the athletic department. I work with uh, all 15 teams. I got about 400 athletes under my supervision. Uh, I work very closely with the, the athletic department, uh, the coaching staff. A lot of coordination with them. Um, even when I'm traveling, working with other athletes, I'm still very much in tune with uh, the athletic department and talking to the coaches all the time. All right, now we're going to have a real conversation now about nutrition. Mm-hmm. I know it's a passion of yours, too. It's not just like, oh, I eat healthy. I'm going on a cleanse. Like, you really take it. Like, you study it, science and everything about it. Okay. Yep. So I'm a super healthy eater. Okay. Like, legit, I go OCD eating, same thing, same time, every day. From mm-hmm. I'll go 90 days before I go on vacation. It's like to get shredded up, yep. okay? Look good for the pictures. Yeah, you ha- that's the only reason I'm doing it for her. My girlfriend has Instagram, so she says I have to do it with the gram. That's it. <laughs> All right, so I just get back from Europe. You know, I ate everything. I drank everything. I'm back now. Tomorrow I start again because mm-hmm. I just booked the vacation for April. Okay. We're going to go island hopping for a f- few weeks. Give me like a perfect shred, like shred. Like when I mean I'm OCD, I'll go, if you tell me whatever to eat, mm-hmm. give me like a 90 days, but I don't want the same thing every day. What, what would your perfect diet be? So I'm, I'm big on... Um, Fitness foods, you know, specific foods that if you have these foods in your fridge and in your cabinet, you can't go wrong. 
Um, so like your breakfast items, if you've got eggs, oatmeal, um, Ezekiel bread toast, I like sprouted grain toast rather than regular regular bread. It's okay. um, so less reactive in the body. A lot of people have gluten allergies or intolerances. Most oftentimes with the, uh, the sprouted grain has less, less reactivity. Um, fresh berries, grapefruit. Grapefruit is a great um, metabolism-boosting food. Um, black coffee, teas, things like that, herbal teas. And then throughout the day, Dude, I'm I'm not a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian. Um, people use the term plant based all the time, mm-hmm. which generally means that they're they're vegan or, or, or vegetarian. I consider plant based a little different. Okay. Plant based means that the basis of your diet is is plants, not that your entire diet is plants. I eat meat. I eat animal products, um, but the majority of the food that you eat should be vegetarian. It should be plant based. So if you keep it the rest of the day where you're eating mostly vegetables. Um, and you have your, your, your lean protein sources as well. Um, I think that's really the, the way that your body works the best. Maintaining a high intake of colorful fruits and vegetables, um, high water content foods. Um, I like to be full. So I don't like to eat very, very small portions. Because then you're hungry and you're dreading it and you have to. All right, so how about I give you my diet? Okay. Hopefully people find this halfway interesting. Wake up in the morning, three egg whites, one full egg. That's what I have for my breakfast. Okay. Now you're saying add a grapefruit into that? Yes. Start yep. the day off with that. Citrus, you're getting some vitamin C. Um, it's, it's a high fiber, high water content food. Um, also, um, you know, like I said, you're getting some vitamin C. So that micronutrient is important as well. Okay. Uh, I work out right after that. Like I go okay. to the gym like 45 minutes later. I do so my no workout. So no carbs. You basically you just Yeah, that's my breakfast. Protein. Okay. Yes. Then after my workout, I have like, you know, pro, uh, Quest. You, I, uh, Isopure drink. Yep. Like I, I like it better than the mixed sugar. I have the Isopure drink. So the, the RTD. Yes. Right? Okay. <clears throat> I have that. Usually like 20 minutes after that because now I just finished. It's three hours later. I have fruit. Usually berries and a banana, berries mm-hmm. and an apple. Mm-hmm. How's that? Okay. It's good. Three hours later, I usually have a Quest bar. Okay. You don't like the Quest bar? Uh, no. It's not, I, I wouldn't say I don't like the Quest bar. Okay. Um, I, I prefer a whole food and like real food, but I don't think that's a bad product. Okay. Three hours after that, and I'm like, oh, like it's 9.09, three yeah. hours later, I have um, like salad with uh, tomatoes, extra virgin olive oil, two teaspoons, red wine vinegar. Uh, a breast of grilled chicken okay. and cucumbers. That's it. Yep. Then I have dinner. Usually I'll have one to two pieces of grilled chicken. Mm-hmm. Like I get the Costco bag. Yep. Uh, a sh- shitload of broccoli or yep. vegetables. Mm-hmm. And then usually I'll have sometimes a half a sweet potato. Okay. What else should I change with that? Should I take out the sweet potato? And I have a question about that. I love that I'm actually asking legit stuff. The avocado. Yep. Do I have avocado or is that too much good fat with the extra virgin olive oil? No, absolutely not. So the way you're eating is very... Um, it's very lean, um, so adding in some fat's important. So you're you're pretty low on carbs throughout the day. I'm noticing um, you're getting most of your carbs from the fruit that you're having, which, which it's more post your workout anyway, and it's yes. kind of early in the day. Um, and then a little bit at night if you're having half a sweet potato. I am a carb guy. I eat a lot of carbs, mm-hmm. but I also work out a lot. I train a lot. So carbs have to do with your your movement. If you're exercising, you're moving. If you're active, you need your carbs. Um, your protein sources are good. I would vary them up because the way protein works is. Um, Every kind of protein you have has a different amino acid profile. Okay. So there's different amino acids for each kind of protein. So chicken has a very specific amino acid profile, which is a very good. It's, a, it's complete protein. Um, but you're getting different, different levels of those amino acids. When you mix the kinds of proteins that you're eating, like say you have salmon for dinner sometimes, or you have chicken, or you have turkey, or you have beef, or you have pork, they all have different and varying amino acid profiles. So if you have different sources of proteins and different sources of amino acids, you're getting a much, um, much more complete intake of those amino acids. And what does that do differently? 
it's so amino acids are the building blocks of proteins and proteins are what makes your muscles right so when you you train you're breaking down muscle tissue you mm -hmm. need to rebuild that so the amino acids we don't have a storage form for that in our body so it's constantly going through our blood system blood, uh, our circulatory system when we eat mm -hmm. we eat we break down a food releases amino acids goes into your bloodstream and then it circulates throughout your body you want to make sure that you're getting the right aminos to put your muscles back together completely. Um, and if you have too many of one and not enough of another, you might be missing on certain things. That's where it's very tough because it's so, it's so micro. It's not like everyone counts their macros, but mm -hmm. it's, it's more than that. We're way more complex. So just to cover all your bases and make sure that you're getting enough of each individual micronutrient, each individual amino acid, um, it's better to vary up your protein sources. So different, more fish maybe here and there? Okay. Fish, I, I mean, I, honestly, I am... I'm a I'm a I'm an animal product. I'm a meat eater. So, mm -hmm. beef, chicken, poultry, um, turkey, fish, seafood. And stay away from the most sugar, right? No sugar. I wouldn't say no sugar. Um, sugar is all about timing. So post workout, um, that's the called the anabolic window, which I'm sure you've heard the, that before. Yeah, that's why I have the fruit afterwards. Mm -hmm. Okay. So fruit. Um, the thing about fruit is fruit is mostly fructose, right? Fructose has a different metabolic breakdown than other forms of, of, of carbohydrates or glucose. Okay. Um, it has to go to your liver first. Has to be, it has this whole other process because it's fructose. Your body breaks it down differently. So it kind of slows the absorption of that. So sugar, because it, it, it digests very quickly and raises your blood sugar very quickly because it leaves your, blood, your, 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 your stomach, your digest, digestive tract, and goes into your bloodstream very quickly, it's actually good post-workout. Because that spikes insulin. Insulin is a very anabolic hormone. That's when your body is most primed to take those 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 glucose molecules and put them into storage of glycogen. Glycogen is your storage form of, of uh, carbohydrates in your muscles. Okay. And when you're doing anything intense, anything where your heart rate gets raised, your body is going to preferentially use those carbs for fuel. So post-workout, sugar is not the worst thing. Okay, one gallon a day, don't do more than that, right? Yeah, I mean, your size, probably about a gallon. I wouldn't go too much more than that um, in, in just water. Do you drink anything else besides water? Nope, and just green tea. Okay, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty solid. Yeah, I'm going to try to go like, – I have 64 days on next occasion. So today's my last quote-unquote cheat day, and I hate the word cheat day because usually yeah, if I want – I'm the same way. Like I'm, I'm eating healthy, but I'm mood for – I'm going to have it because mm -hmm. I do work out a lot. Yeah. But now I got to go really strict. I'm going to be at the islands now for two weeks. So. Uh, yeah, you're going to be you're gonna be shirtless. So yeah, I know. You got to be ripped. Yeah, I know. I got I got to step up my game. Um, yeah, I mean I don't think I would change too much. I mean honestly, I mean you're, you're, you're so low in carbs it seems like. I'm surprised. Yeah, I'll step up the – well, um, Quest bars have a little bit of carbs. Mostly fiber though. Okay. So Quest yeah, Bar, no, yeah. that product is protein and fiber, mm -hmm. um, which I tell people when I talk to them about like certain products that are out there, like fiber, like uh, Quest Bar is not going to be something you're going to have pre or post workout because the fiber is going to sit in your gut for a little bit. It's like a brick. Um, that's going to be something you're going to have as like what I call a bridge snack. So that's going to be like an in between meal Bef snack. Fruit and yeah, yeah. That's going to be an in between meal snack because um, you're not going to be that active. You don't need those carbs to be fast digesting or to be utilized right away. So. It's actually a good product. And last food question, because Ed wants to just talk boxing, I can see. It's now usually I eat around seven thirty, I'm done for the night. Yep. Just as Knicks are on late night, it's ten thirty, Knicks are on the West Coast, I'm starving. Mm -hmm. What do I, I'm not having sugar at night. What do I have at night? Give me the protein. So um if you if so a lot of people don't like the texture of cottage cheese is a great nighttime yeah, snack. You see the cottage cheese I like and you throw I like throwing some blueberries though. You need some taste. You're yeah, saying just yeah. okay. I mean you can throw in so at night you gotta think proteins, fats, and vegetables. Okay, you got to keep the carbs low. Okay. So um, something like cottage cheese with like a trail mix in it. So you get some walnuts, almonds, cashews, maybe even some raisins in there for a little bit of sweetness. Um, that's a really good nighttime snack. 
for a couple of reasons. One, you're getting protein and fats, and you're keeping the carbs low. Two, uh, the majority of the protein in cottage cheese is casein protein. Casein protein is broken down much more slowly, so you're getting a dose of amino acids overnight that's going to be a slow release. Now, am I getting the no-fat cottage cheese or? Uh, you don't necessarily have to. It depends on what your um, your calorie goals are mm-hmm. for the day. Um, I would err on the side of low-fat to non-fat mm-hmm. for most people, uh, depending on your activity level and how much you're training in a day uh, and what your ultimate goals are. If you're trying to be anabolic and gain a lot of and gain muscle mass, mm-hmm. you might need more calories. If you're trying to lose, you're trying to lean out for a vacation, I would say low to no-fat. Okay, now we're going to talk about sliding this in now because Dan Jacobs was the name – Whenever your name came up, it was Danny Jacobs because yep. you helped him, trained him hard. Same thing with him. You, you and how'd you get? How'd they call you? Like, oh, let's call Chris Algieri because how how are you known for that? Yeah, um, it's funny. He, you know, he he's not my first client. He's definitely my biggest name client, and, and to date still is. Um, I've worked with a lot of MMA, uh, UFC guys for a while. We were talking about this before before we got on. Guys like uh, Ryan Lafleur, Dennis Bermudez, uh, John Belante. Um, you know, those those are guys that I've worked with in, in the MMA arena. Boxing has kind of been a, a newer thing, especially at the high level. I've worked with some some uh, lower tier guys, um, and Danny's team had reached out to my manager uh, Kevin Rooney Jr. and um, asked if if that was a possibility. They were looking for a nutritionist. They had gone to through two or three over the years, um, and it's tough. Boxing is a very very specific um, sport, and nutrition is a very intimate personal thing. For everybody, you know, for an athlete, especially at that level, it, it, it becomes that much more um, meticulous. So they reached out, said, you know, they asked if it was even possible and how that would look. We went back and forth, and it, honestly, just the timing of it was perfect. It was a huge, huge fight. Fighting Triple G was the first mm-hmm. time we worked yep. together. Um, I've known Danny from the boxing circuit for years. You know, we're both New York guys. We've been on the same card a bunch of times. Um, you know, I've seen Danny in the amateurs. You know, I was never an amateur boxer. I was a kickboxer at the time, but I would go and watch the Golden Gloves all the time. Um, and so I knew Danny from the amateurs even back then. And we always had a good relationship. So um, that's another thing. What they were looking for, they were looking for someone to be there all the time. And you got to like your client. If you're going yeah, to be with someone every day, you're going to get cranky over the food and oh, shit. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So um, you got to learn your client. You got to get to know them. You got to spend a lot of time with them. Um, you know, and, and, and it worked out perfectly. You know, it was, it was, it was the guy that I can see myself spending, spending time with, the guy that I had a relationship with before. Um, and um, I know he's a hard. He trains hard, so it wasn't going to be one of those guys that had to chase around or something like that. It's lazy and yeah, yeah, which is terrible. Um, Danny's not that kind of guy, so it worked out great. Um, and even that that relationship and that job kind of morphed throughout the camp. Um, it went from nutritionist to nutrition nutritionist slash conditioning coach slash tape review guy okay. slash. I was holding mitts at times. Okay. This last camp, I was sparring with the guy. You know, like, it's funny. The last camp, <laughs> his sparring partner doesn't show up. He calls up and calls and cancels, like, 20 minutes before he's supposed to be there, which happens. Okay. You know, it's New York City. You know, getting getting guys that could, you know, to travel and get to sparring is, is tough. Also, when you got to spar Danny, Danny Jacobs. It, yeah, people aren't rushing to that. Nah, there's a good reason not, there's a good reason not to show up. And, uh, and so, uh, Andre Roger is his, his trainer, and uh, I go uh, – I call him uncle because he calls me nephew. So I'm like, uncle, I'm uh, I got my, I got my shit, and he looks at me, and goes, "What are you talking about, Neff? I go, "I got my shit in the car, like my sparring gear." He goes, "You want to spar?" I'm like, "He's Saturday. We work on Saturday, right?" He goes, "Yes, we do." He's like, "All right, go get yourself." Oh, that's great. Go get that's yourself. Awesome. So I throw on my gear, um, 
I don't know. I don't think people were expecting it a whole lot. He's a, he's a much bigger guy, obviously. Yeah. We're three weight classes apart. But I went right after him. Like, first ball rings. I came out. I, I wing a left. <laughs> 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 you know? And uh, <laughs> world class is world class. So, but you don't even have the size, whatever. So, like, I swing. Right away, Danny's like, woo, okay. And we went at it for about three or four rounds. Um, and afterwards, uh, <laughs> Andre goes, hey, Ned, bring your, bring your gear on Tuesday. We could, we could use you. You put a lot of pressure on him. I was like, all right. Is is your mindset different by being on the outside of the ring rather than being on the inside? Is the nutritionist or? Yeah, uh, yes and no. Um, I'm I'm a fighter, and I, I think I always will be. Um, it, it's it's tough to be the guy on the outside, but at the same time, um, I think when I'm dealing with fighters, um, they respect my opinion not just about the food. You know, Danny's great because he like I don't literally. I have free range on what we're doing. And you have a resume, so it's not like, oh, this guy's never been in the game. Right. He doesn't know what I'm talking Yeah, okay, okay. So we have that, that mutual respect. We can go back and forth and kind of talk about this. And um, I asked one time, go, Champ, what do you want to eat for dinner? He's like, whatever you want, whatever you say. Which you makes it easy for you. you it don't makes want. it much easier for me. Hey, see, that's why I'm a professional. You see, I brought right back into boxing. Mm-hmm. Now, you yeah. didn't start as a boxer, you said. We say you kickboxer. And that's on Wikipedia. So obviously, if it's true, if it's on the internet. It's true, right? right. <laughs> so you're kickboxing. You never did the amateur circuit, Golden Gloves or anything. I had zero amateur boxing fights. My first boxing fight was my pro debut. Why kickboxing? Like I, growing up, was that a thing? Like karate kickboxing? Or? So all right, so that's not really a Long Island thing, is it? Kickboxing? No, but neither is boxing mm-hmm. really. Especially you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago when I started out, um, there's not a whole lot of boxing in Long Island. There's a lot more now because we have a lot more fighters coming out mm-hmm. of Long Island recently. And I'm talking recently, the past like two decades. Um, before that, I really wasn't a whole lot going on. I started out as a martial artist, um, you know, Chinese Kempo, wrestled in high school, um, professional kickboxer by the age of 19. Was always a boxing fan. Grew up watching uh, boxing, and I was a I was a world class kickboxer. Yeah, you were a champion, weren't you? I was a two time world champion, yeah. two different weight classes. I fought guys from literally all over the world. Um, so. At 20 years old, I'm a world-class kickboxer, and finding world-class sparring on Long Island for kickboxing impossible. is impossible. So I boxed guys. I would go to I'd go to Gleason's. I was I was a kickboxer. Okay. Literally had to like find boxing shoes because you know kickboxing you're barefoot, yeah. and I would have to put on some shoes, which is very awkward for me. Put on a cup, you know, like a, a, mm-hmm. a, a hip protector and, and leather cup, which is not very foreign for a kickboxer. And I would box with guys. And uh, I started in Freeport PAL. Guys over there. Went out to Gleason, sparred guys out there. Uh, went out to Hackensack, sparred with a bunch of guys over there. Um, you know, guys like uh, Vivian Harris was the first world champion I ever sparred with out in Hackensack. Okay. Um, you know, and I was kickboxing at the time. So a lot of the boxing coaches were surprised to hear that I was a kickboxer. So you were doing more of it to stay in shape and spar. I needed good sparring. I needed oh, guys. Shit. I needed so guys it wasn't like, hey, I'm going to transition to boxing this no. week. No. That's I was, interesting. I was preparing for kickboxing <clears throat> fights, sparring with with pro boxers because um i just couldn't i couldn't find kickboxers that were gonna push me to the point that i needed that's interesting mm-hmm. and you never did the amateur circuit you never said never went to golden gloves you went kickboxing spar 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 mm-hmm. hey i'm a boxer yeah so i <laughs> uh i had set my goals for kickboxing um you know and i always had it in the back of my mind that i was in a box and um you know, I, I wanted to, but it was kind of like a pipe dream, kind of something like a distant, distant thought. Um, and, you know, I, I accomplished everything I, did, I wanted to in kickboxing. I won two world titles. I was undefeated. I fought guys all around my weight classes. I fought in three different weight classes. Just like I, I, I was a, a junior middleweight world champion. I weighed 149 pounds. The fight was at 154. You know, like I fought the world champion, but I never weighed that. And I just, 
you know, I was just trying to fight whoever I could who was good and get world titles. Um, and so once I won my last world title, the one that I really, really was, like, dreaming about, the ISK world title, which is universally recognized as, like, the world title. If you're in the ISK world champion, the International Sport Karate Association champ, you're the, you're the fucking champ. Okay. You're so, the shit. That's it. Yeah. You're- I won that one at welterweight, and I was like, you know, I'm like, I don't really have much else to do. There's no money here. Um, yeah, there's the no, time, there's no money. In it. There was. It's better now, but there was no sponsors. So no. you're getting your ass kicked. You're a champion that world's recognized, but you're not making any money at all. Oh yeah, I broke my elbow in my last fight. I hurt my knee. I'm coming out with a nice shiny belt and three thousand dollars in my pocket. Ooh. I was like, what am I, you know, what are we doing wow. here? So you can only uh, love the sport so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was in, you know, I was in a master's program. I was studying and I was doing that. And it's 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 hard showing up to work on a Monday after fighting in Atlantic City, you know, being, <laughs> being the main event, and you, you literally, you know, you're going back to work on Monday with your arm in a brace, and you're, you're limping in a class. Hey, what, what happened? You got a car accident? I was going to say, so Chris, how was your weekend? Oh, not bad. Just, yeah, just, just, won a, won a, just won a world title. Just won, I just won 10 rounds and won a world title. You know, broke my elbow, but we're good. All right, Ed, we're going to introduce you now, Ed. Eddie Pella, who only comes on during boxing shows. He doesn't give a shit who I interview. He doesn't care what's like. Dick Vitale comes on. Eddie doesn't care. As long as only a boxer. You're 19-0. Let's talk about the fight. Go ahead, Ed. The fight. The uh, fight. Well, the fight would be the uh, time you fought Ruslan Provodnikov at the Barclays Center, and you won the title. Yeah, that time. Which I believe was a WBO super lightweight. It was, yep. And Eddie and I actually, I told him you were coming on, and he's like, bro, you got to rewatch the fight. And I don't remember watching it. Mm-hmm. And we rewatched the fight, and we're texting. I'm like, dude, the, after the first round, I texted him. I'm like, dude, he didn't win this fight. Dude, <laughs> that first round. It was brutal. Did you go like flat out in survive, like survival mode? No, no, I don't think. If you watch that, if you, even you watch that first round, I was winning the end of that first round. I went back to what yeah. I was doing before. Like, it didn't. Our, we, there was no doubt in my mind I was winning that fight. Going into the fight, I honestly, I was like, I knew the guy. I, Ruslan is a killer. Mm-hmm. And especially back then. At that point, that was the height of Ruslan Provost. That's what Eddie, that's Eddie was Siberian Tiger. He was Siberian uh, uh, Rocky. He was the most he was the feared, feared guy. guy. Nobody wanted to fight that, that guy. But we just knew we had a style. That would be able to stifle him, um, stay away from him. My defense was always good. My jab was good. I was long, and my conditioning was there. Um, and honestly, I didn't need. To, I didn't think I was going to need to show toughness that fight. I didn't think he was going to touch me. So when I made that mistake in the first round and got hit with that shot, the damage was done. You know, it, it, the, the one punch broke my orbital, broke my nose. Well, I want to ask you before we get back there because you said you didn't think he was going to touch you. Was that more confidence, or is that you being cocky, or you knew like you're that quick? Yeah, okay, It was what I knew. Um, you know, I had it was what we had worked on in the camp. Uh, the camp was brutal. We worked super, super hard. We had some killer sparring partners. Um, I sparred twelve rounds, two, three times a week with guys rotating in, being in really, you know, really, really pushing the pace. Uh, we had an awesome, awesome camp. Um, I was super ready for that fight, and, and you know we knew what we had to do, um, and uh, I made a mistake, you know. And that's in the like, first round, yeah, you make a mistake, you pay for it. And it's like a famous picture on the internet. Your eye was oh yeah, the- yeah, <laughs> totally fucked. And I'll, I actually forget, forget which one it fight. is. I, I blinked the wrong eye. No. <laughs> I'll never forget that fight. I came home. I was watching it. I was confident you were going to win mm-hmm. somehow because I was all I was all excited. I like I was texting him because of the Stony Brook connection. Yeah. And uh, after the first round, I was like, I was a little nervous, mm-hmm. but I could see you were coming back, coming back, staying yeah. in there. I was like, you just got to get through this round. You just mm-hmm. got to get through the next round. And by the end, I was like, I think I have my head by a round, but I'm not sure. Like, I need to rewatch it. And then, the, you know, the judges came in, and it was exactly like one round for you. Uh, I think it was 115. 114, 113. 114, 113. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm telling you, so I rewatched a fight, mm-hmm. and I'm texting him during it. This is two days ago. 
And we're like, I'm like, dude, this is insane. And it seemed like he wasn't. He was just trying to win the last few seconds of the round. You, did you, your camp felt the same way? Because yeah, I mean, you were confident afterwards. You're like, yeah, I was pretty confident. I knew I was going to win. I, 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 so when you're in a fight, like mm-hmm. this is something that um, only guys who have been in there know. Like you, hold, hold on, Ed. Like guys like Chris and I. That's yeah. what we're talking about. <laughs> guys like Chris and I have been in the, in the ring. Ed. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in a fight, like there's you have your aura and your opponent has their aura, and um, you can feel who's winning, you know, and, and, and sometimes the, the judges' scorecards don't go along with that just because of the scoring system, but, like, you have that feeling, and I felt as the fight was going, I was just getting stronger, and I saw him just getting weaker, and his punches lost a lot of their steam. Um, he was missing a lot. I was tagging him up constantly, making a miss. I was still able to make a miss even if I couldn't see. You know, I, just, I, just, I had him. I had him going, and I could see that he was getting very frustrated the fight was going on, and I felt like I was getting better and better and better. So in the corner, when the doctor was coming to the corner every single round and being like, I'm giving you one more round, kid. And I looked at him, like, incredulously, like, I'm winning. So don't stop don't this. Stop I'm this winning. Fight. Like, uh, he's not even – I said to him because it's a couple times, like, he's not hitting me. Like, let, 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 let's keep going. If he, if he starts roughing me up, yeah, cool, stop it. But if I'm not getting hit, I'm landing more, and I'm winning the rounds, fuck it. Let's fight. You know, so it kind of came like that. If I, if I had given the, the, the doctor any reason to stop the fight, they would have. Now, it was a championship fight. Are you thinking, like, dude, don't, now I'm in the ninth round. I'm in the eighth round, ninth round. Don't, don't this. This is my chance. Don't, was that in the back of your mind, like, they're going to call the fight? I, yes, absolutely. Oh. Um, I have pictures where I'm literally blocking my eye and taking punches on my chin because I knew if I got hit in the eye, it was, they're going to stop the fight. Yeah. If I, but if I got cracked, you know, I'm, I'm still awake. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Um, so, but honestly, I, 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 there's one thing I kept saying over and over in my head. Don't wake up on Sunday and say, I wish I did this or I wish I did that. So I was always thinking, like, don't leave anything in the tank. Don't save anything for the last round. Don't save anything for the last three rounds. Just, just go. Just go and go and go because tomorrow morning waking up with this eye and no belt and saying, man, I could have done this would have been worse than anything. This is going to sound weird, but when you're, have you rewatched the fight lately or no? Probably. Uh, not a while. Okay, there's two things that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. One's going to sound corny as a fan because doing this podcast, I met all these people who I really looked up to in these like celebrities and athletes that just hang out here and drink. It's like weird. Mm-hmm. Like when Jim Lampley and these guys, Teddy Atlas, when they're talking about you, does it ever like, holy shit, they're talking about me. Does it ever, has it kicked in like? Look, yeah. No, okay. cause especially because I was, a, I was a, a real boxing fan yeah. growing up as a kid and watching these guys and, and Jim Lampley. And, and, and I remember Max Kellner from ESPN. Yeah. You know, so like when I'm sitting at the fighter table, uh, the pre-fight meeting with the uh, uh, the announcer table, you know, the announcing table was like Andre Ward, Jim Lampley, Max Kellerman, and they're across the table from me asking me questions. It's like, it's kind of crazy. It's like, ah, oh, here I am. This is this is it. But at the moment, you don't think. Yeah, like see, that. I always ask that. Like, are you appreciating at the fact no. that holy shit, I'm sitting here with someone so someone so is talking about me? Not at all. No. I watched the fight, and I love so. I'm friends with your brother, and in the crowd, they show you family, and I always love when like. <laughs> A New York guy fights because they love showing the New York family because yeah. – and this isn't a knock on anyone else. You know, other uh, nationalities and stuff, you, you got – you're Italian or Argentinian, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your family's in the crowd. They're running through people going crazy. Mm-hmm. And I always love the scene. You're in the locker room. Your eyes the size of a, a basketball. Yeah, yeah, a grapefruit. <clears throat> and they're all in and your family's celebrating. And you're like, yeah, it hasn't sunk in yet. When did it sink in like I'm the champ? Because you were so calm still. Mm-hmm. And you, you tell a story that you got into a car accident, and you're like, yeah, my, my heart rate didn't raise. I'm like, dude, you just – I was pumped up watching it. 
<laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, yeah, it was, uh, a couple days before, like we, we almost got ran off the road, my coach and I, and like, literally it was just like, rip, rip. all right, cool. Like almost just died. No, <laughs> didn't even nothing. It was just so, we were so dialed in. Um, honestly though, because, because of, it was such a, a meteoric rise and like it was right to the Pacquiao fight. And like, even after the Pacquiao fight, it was like five months later, I'm in the, I'm in the ring with Khan. So it was like, I, I didn't have a chance. I don't know if I still even have to look back at it, honestly. Like, I'm just still riding it. Anything on that fight, Because I want to move to the Pacquiao fight. Um, well, I'm I'm surprised that you took the Pacquiao fight next because... Fuck, that was my next question, up, shit. <laughs> you're going up a weight class. Yeah. Uh, and rather than have a defense of your title, mm-hmm. you're going to take on a Hall of Famer. Legit yeah. Hall of Famer in Asia, in China. Yeah. Um, and that was your first fight. I think I read, or you told me, at out of New York State. Yeah. Was it? That's a helpful place to go fight. Like, let's go fight. Was it Macau, China? It's funny. Yeah, we were in uh, we we're in the post fight press conference for the <laughs> Provodnikov fight, and uh, Bob Arum throws it out there. He's like, "I want Algeria to fight Pacquiao next." And everybody's like, "Oh!" And then the, one of the first questions I got um, when I when I got up to the podium, because so this is this is a little side note. So post fight press conferences. When you, after a fight, when you win a title, like I've been dreaming about that from, from when I was a little kid. Like I want to look good, go out there, <laughs> you know. Like and they're like, you got to go to the hospital. And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> I got to go to my post fight press conference. They're like, uh, no, we got to go. The ambulance is waiting. I'm like, no, no. I brought an outfit. I'm putting it on. And no, I'm, and I'm the gonna, fuck did you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I told. I said. I said. I brought an outfit. I'm going to put it on, and we're going to go out to this fucking <laughs> press conference. And I want my belt in front of me, and I want to answer questions. <laughs> they were like. Uh, we really got to go to the ambulance. I'm like, no. I, I, I sucked my guns, and, and we went out there. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're out there, and, and, and Bob had said that just before I came out, and they came out. The first question I get is like, hey, would you fight Pacquiao next? And I said, sure. And they go, in China. I go, is there a ring there? Where, yeah. where, it doesn't matter. Like, what? Like, I'll fight you. So uh, that's, that's kind of how it happened. But, yeah, no, first fight um, after um, – which which was obviously wasn't ideal. Moving up a weight, um, getting stripped of my, my title, so I never got to defend it. Um, fighting in China, first time doing that, huge huge jump. Um, also, I had a broken orbital. I wasn't cleared to spar until like five weeks before the Pacquiao fight. It's like I had to do everything else on my training camp except for that part of, to and and to get ready for a guy who's extremely extremely difficult to deal with and kind of mimic so is it like not true but you can't pass up a chance to fight Pacquiao no. Goth if it's something happens whatever it is even if he takes another fight you no, put it I, out there yeah I you have, have to no, no, so I, no I, regrets about fighting that you no, can't not at all not at all no I don't have a regret about that um, you know do I wish it went a, a, a different scenario in terms of where and when and how absolutely but mm-hmm. it is what it is there's so few opportunities in this sport I've never wanted to pass one up whenever they come you gotta take them fighting in China any different than and not the like the whole yeah. remember you're in New York you train here you're mm-hmm. everything here is local for you yeah you know everything now you're in China is it completely different yeah it was rough um, the the time zones was were crazy I've been to Asia many times it kills you oh dude I I, I went eleven days out I should have went you know thirty one days out honestly I just I should we should have did a majority of my camp out there it was uh, it was really tough to get it, to get used to the time zones we fought at eleven a.m. The weigh-in was like five the day before. It was it was weird. Five a.m. It was weird. Um, so that that was I had a lot of trouble sleeping out there. The food was very difficult to deal with. Um, that was actually my next question to you because you 
because you're such a foodie, like yeah. a food nutritionist guy, not a foodie, you can go take pictures at the Smith of right. an Instagram, a real foodie, you, you're going out there now, they're not going to have all the stuff you need so locally available. You like cooking your own stuff. This, so it was a big, everything, right? Was so that was a big worry, and, and, and I, I thought I did my due diligence to get that all uh, accounted for, and I you know, ordered the food in advance and spent a lot of money to get the right kind of foods out there, but the food's just different. They don't have the right, ki- the right same kinds of food there. Um, I had a lot of trouble putting weight back on after the weigh-in. Um, I think I weighed more in the Peranakov fight than I did it. Really? Yeah, definitely. Oh. I, couldn't, I couldn't. I couldn't hold any water the way I couldn't. I couldn't retain um, my hydration the same way. This might not be interesting. I'm just curious about this. When you had to do your promotional with it, was it different? Because he was out in the Philippines. Yeah. How were you guys doing uh, promotion for it? So we did a two two and a half week like seven city press tour months before, even before training camp. So like we we were out. To, I went out to China. In like August, like okay. I saw the black eye from the the, the Ruslan fight, and we were out, you know, flying all over the world, you know, promoting the fight. Um, but even even like it, it was strange. Fight week, um, I did a lot of promotional stuff, like traveling, and I always expected Pacquiao to be there, and he wasn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, where's Pacquiao? He's like, oh no, he, he's not, he's not, he's not assigned this day. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's really? in bed right now. That's yeah. awesome. He's gambling. He's a big gambler, <laughs> so he's gambling on games. And you're right. <laughs> now you never went to Philippines on foot, right? No, no, unfortunately, because I got a lot of great fans out there. They reach out all the time. Really, really good people. Every Filipino I've met ever have been like the coolest people. I got to tell you something. This is on a side note. So my girlfriend's Filipino. Okay. And like five years ago, uh, I was single with the Philippines with my friends. Greatest trip that's ever been in my life. And he's a god there. When I mean god, yeah. I try Rightfully to, so. Yeah, no, but I, I explain to people like here, who owned this? Derek Jeter owned the city. And it mean if he can, he can literally walk down the street, people wouldn't harass him. Pacquiao can't walk down the street. But the thing I found, and when I spoke to everyone in Manila, is that if you fight Pacquiao, they love you, like yeah. they respect you, like oh, hey, you fought our guy. Who cares who won? Except Mayweather, they hate Mayweather. But they like you fought him. They probably love you out there. Yeah, they're great. Like yeah, right. Oh, they still reach out. Honestly, they still reach out all the time. It's been it's been three and a half years. Um, now, nah, great, great fans. Uh, always very respectful. Even his whole team, like during the whole press tour and, and the fight week and all that, like his guys, we'd be in the gym working out, and like his guys would be there, like, "Hey, Chris, we had a photo. Like, like super cool. Like, hey, good luck, man. You know." Different mindset. You were nineteen and zero. You fight your big fight. Mm-hmm. You win the title. Now you're now you're a headliner. You are. You became a headliner overnight. Mm-hmm. Different mindset. No, nah, I was always a super hard worker, and I always saw. I, and and. I've been I've been pushing the champion lifestyle for so many years and for so many fights. Um, I had lived like a champion for a long time, even though I couldn't really like, afford it or, or, or you know really treat it that way. But like in my mind, it was you know. So it didn't change so much, you know, as much as you would think. Um, I say it all the time, like you know, it, it didn't change me. It changed the way people saw me, mm-hmm. or people treated me. But I was I had that mindset always. Now we're gonna rewind a little. And Ed, whenever you want to jump in, you jump right in. We're gonna rewind a little bit because you just mentioned you went from Pacquiao to Khan, like. You went to the belly of the beast right away. Yeah, yeah. Was you overwhelmed by that? Were you ready for that? Or no, it was, it was it, a lot of it was my own doing. Um, I always wanted the con fight. I always thought that that was a good. I, fight. I think you won that fight. And Ed uh, broke down. I, if I showed you my phone, it's a thousand texts. He won this round. This I'm like, all right, Ed. <laughs> but you felt you won that fight I also. Did, yeah. Okay, I okay. Did. I did. I, uh, that that fight really that that hurt my gut, man. Uh, I, even now, like I love watching that fight because it's a, it's a it's a good fight. It's a fun fight to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, little like whenever I watch my fights, I forget it's me. Mm. 
I, I watch him as boxing fans. Really? As a boxing fan. Absolutely. I watch the Bronica fight. I watch the Khan fight. I don't sit there and be like, ooh, that one hurt. I'm like, oh my God, man, these guys are going at it. These guys, as if it's not me. Really? That's interesting. Oh, that's oh, really absolutely. interesting. Oh, wow, absolutely. Really I watch good. my fights, any fights, as a, as a fan. Um, not as like, I'm watching me. So, so you're not sitting there watching tape, critiquing yourself. Oh, I'm hanging this low. No, I'm watching that's it. Like I'm watching like, oh, these guys, are, these guys are good. These guys are going at it. I enjoy, you know. So uh, that's a fight that I actually enjoy because it's a good fight. It's a, it's a scrap. And um, but yeah, no, that that one, uh, that one definitely stings because I, I, it would have it would have meant a whole different thing for me going forward. Um, and I do think I won the fight. But Me- yeah, but that fight, I I, I, I wanted the con fight. You know, Me- meaning what? You say it would have been different if you won that fight. Um, because <laughs> my plan yeah. was to knock out Amir Khan and then go fight pa- uh, Mayweather. Cause, Shut cause, the fuck yeah, up! Khan, really? Khan was in blind. Yeah. He Khan was supposed to beat me worse than Pacquiao and get the Mayweather fight. So my uh, our plan it's a, as our team and our was like, all right, we're taking this Khan fight. Like, yeah, it's super dangerous. Like, we just came off our first loss, devastating loss. Like, gotta rebuild. Nah, no rebuild. We're gonna go right for the the, the next guy going for the the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, go big or go home. So yeah, we, of course, we, we we took a gamble on that. You know, it, it the gamble should have paid off. Yeah, it, it, it didn't work out. Oh. Um, didn't work out for my, me or Khan because Khan didn't get the Mayweather fight after that. <laughs> so, yeah, he, his career kind of like faulted. Why is that? They, he, yeah. they were they went all in for that that that, that Mayweather fight. That was it, right? Yeah, and and co- coming from Pacquiao to Khan, mm-hmm. uh, you going from Bob Arum to the Al Heyman world. Like, mm-hmm. was there any difference going between those two worlds, or like how did that come about? Definitely. I mean, um, I was a kind of guy that I was able to kind of jump from promotion to promotion because I wasn't affiliated with any of the big guys. So I wasn't locked in or, or segregated from, from those big fights, which is one of the reasons I was able to get all, a lot of the big fights that I got. Um, I wasn't like in the top rank corner or the Golden Boy corner or the PPC corner or whatever, the Al Heyman corner, corner. So I was able to kind of fight, you know, I was always the guy brought in, mm-hmm. you know, fighting uphill, but it allowed me to have opportunities at least. But yeah, very, very different dealing with those different, all the promotional companies are very different. So. All right, so I got to ask you, why haven't you fought since suspense fight a year and a half ago? It's uh, it's worth the business than than anything else. Really? I've I've stayed in great shape. Yeah. I've been in tra- in camps, um, you know. So I had a, I had a little bit of time where I needed to deal with like some injuries and stuff mm-hmm. to, to, to recover from. But other than that, yeah, because it was a world like we said, a whirlwind of fighting people. So now you have to yeah. finally relax. Now I definitely needed some time, you know, because it was it was. You want to get that over? No. Okay. <laughs> I uh, it was it was definitely uh, like you said, it was a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. You know, those couple years were, <clears throat> were were crazy, and honestly, like. I, I fell out of love with the sport for a little bit. And it like became I, a job then, right? No, no, not even that. It was just like I was I was so burned by a lot of the stuff that goes on. Um, you know, the, I say this all the time. Best sport in the world, worst business. And the business can really, really fuck you up. And there's a lot of really bitter guys out there. And I never want to be that. I never want to be the guy that looks back on boxing and, and go fuck boxing. Mm-hmm. I, I love boxing. Um, so it was good for me to have some time to kind of peel away. I didn't watch fights. For oh, all. I really didn't watch. I just <clears throat> I was so sour, t- sour taste in your mouth. I was bitter about things, and 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 I knew that was coming, and like I would avoid them. And it was it was honestly it was during when I was active with those big fights. Mm-hmm. I was just like I just wanted a break. I was so in it that when I was on my downtime at home, I didn't want to turn on a fight and watch, and then you know analyze fights. I just wanted I just wanted to relax, and that's a problem. When you're in something and you're doing something and you are avoiding it, I think that that was an issue, and I, I needed to get my love and my passion back for the sport, and um, I feel like I'm there now. So, 
Oh, so you're back into loving it? Oh, yeah. Now, you're going to be 34. Mm-hmm. Boxing's an unforgiving sport. Oh, yeah. You're a good-looking dude. Mm-hmm. You got your master's. That's what they say. Yeah, <laughs> that's what everyone says. You got your master's. Why even get back in the ring? Do you just love it or? Because I still got it. Definitely still have it. So got it. Yeah, that's that. that that's <laughs> that's a problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it would be great. It would be really nice if I could just because I'm very happy with my career. I'm very yeah. happy with, with what I've done, what I've accomplished, especially coming from where I came from. Um, but at the same time, it, it's 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 tough being in the gym and sparring with guys and being with a guy. I was sparring much with Saddam Ali before he fought Cotto. You know, I'm in camp with, with Jacobs, and we're in the same camp, and you know, we're training at his his gym with his dad, and you know, like I sparred with, with Saddam several times leading up to that fight, and just being like, this guy, this guy just won a world title, and I was, you know, in with him, you know, a couple weeks ago. So it's it, it's tough when you when you still can do it, you know, and and you're, and you're not doing it. So. And you definitely still have it. Yeah. I can ask you one question because it's on Wikipedia, like I said, so mm-hmm. it's true. It, your last fight against Spence, mm-hmm. you were upset about the payday. And it actually says it, so I would never ask because I don't mm-hmm. care about the money thing. What were you upset about with it? So the Muhammad Ali Act, um, so there's – it's kind of complicated. This is this is part of the stuff that people really don't know about the sport. So um, the Muhammad Ali Act, um, which says that the amounts of money that are allocated to a certain side, red corner versus blue corner, you know, one promotional company versus another. If you have if you have something like that, it's like two promotional companies going against each other, is released. So the fighter knows how much is in the pot and how much they're getting. Because you know it could be a million dollar pot and they pay you a hundred thousand dollars. That's not very fair, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you're the guy you want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> so the Muhammad Ali Act was put into place so that promoters and managers couldn't take advantage of fighters. And be like, hey, listen, kid, I got this great deal for you. I'm going to give you a hundred grand. Meanwhile, they're making 1.5. You know, makes sense, right? Uh, the problem with the act is they don't tell you to the weigh-in. Doesn't have to be disclosed until the weigh-in. So you have no idea. No. Ooh, okay. So that was that was the issue um, with that is I didn't know what the total pot was or what percentage of it I was getting, um, and I, I wanted to know, and I, I have reached out early about that, and 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 was denied the answer that was kind of the that was definitely the issue um not that it was going to necessarily change anything but i wanted to know as a man mm-hmm. you know like man to man what, what's up um and I, I felt i had that right now why wouldn't they tell you they're going to burn bridges if they don't right <sighs> boxing is boxing man you gotta have a short memory what in boxing you, Bur- bridges are burned you gotta kind of like what do you think of the state of boxing right now i think that it's I think there's always this. <laughs> boxing's not going anywhere. Of course, boxing's not, not going anywhere. Um, and anyone who says that, like, oh, UFC killed boxing, they're out of their mind. I, I want to say this as a, <clears throat> a complete fan, and if you want to jump in, everyone's like, oh, UFC's better. And here's the deal: when there's a big boxing match, and I don't care who's fighting UFC tomorrow night, mm-hmm. when there's a big boxing match, a big one, the world stops. The world stops. You watch the fight, and that's a fight when you call your grandfather, you call your dad up. Hey, the fight's on. You sit around, and I, I've. I've seen it. I'm a sports fanatic. It run. It like completely runs my life. Mm-hmm. My life is ran around sports. UFC's on. I don't really watch it. But like, oh, we'll go out. No one's really paying attention. When a boxing match is on, it's glued. People stare. And, yeah. and and I always tell people that UFC's on. Oh oh, rewind it. Boxing's on. You staring. You get to watch every second. Every yeah. second. So you think boxing's in a good state right now? I do. I do. I think. Um. I think it's in a good state, and I think the potential is is huge. 
Um, I think in terms of a cultural standpoint, boxing is 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 in a great place. Um, you're seeing a lot of boxing films coming out. You're seeing um, it's a lot more in the art world. Even it's it's just it's just it's everywhere. It's in everything. Um, fitness, it's huge. You know, you got all these little pop up boutique boxing gyms all over the place. Yeah. These group <laughs> fitness things. Hey, whatever. That's good for the sport. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's it's more attention to boxing. Um, it makes it more mainstream. Um, you know, you've got. I think the, the, the Mayweather McGregor thing, as much as it was a debacle and a sideshow, oh, it was really good for boxing because mm-hmm. it showed you. You took the, you know, your best MMA guy and you put it up with our best boxing guy who was two years on the couch yeah. and four years old, and he comes out and like it was. It honestly it was it was an embarrassment. It was it was not a good fight. No, I don't no. know why people think it was a good fight. It's people who I'll, I'll tell you this, and it's and I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's guys who don't watch a Super Bowl the whole year. Mm-hmm. Hey, that was the worst game ever. It's like, but you didn't watch the last 17 weeks. So it's guys who never watched boxing yeah. and said, oh, McGregor's hitting him. It's like, no, he's did, not. Did, you see, did you see Floyd? <laughs> did you see Floyd? Exactly. So <laughs> it's, you know, it, and I think, I think honestly, since then, UFC's been a little quiet. You know, since, since that, mm-hmm. I was a really. Very. And I always said the fight was never going to happen because I'm like, Dana White's smart. He's really smart. Really, really smart. And he knows there's a difference here. And he knows that if McGregor loses, it's going to be really bad. And he lost bad. He bad. got he got embarrassed. He yeah. really did. He did. Yeah. Now, well, every, oh, the, sorry, the side note to that is that now UFC is potentially in looking into promoting boxing. So something, something big may come out of it. Yeah. And, in fact, I think they have uh, Roy Jones' fight this week. It's going to be on UFC Fightcast. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's, uh, I think, one of the first things. Is he fighting down in Florida? Yeah, in Pensacola. I actually yeah. saw that. And I'll never forget. I was... Uh, Love Roy. He's awesome. Yeah. I, I was working my current job. I think it was 2004 when he lost. Mm-hmm. And my dad called my next telephone. He's like, Roy Jones just lost. I'm like, what? Which fight? The Tarver fight? I, I actually don't remember which fight. I'm like, how did he lose a fight? He doesn't lose. Like he, uh, and he now must he's, been, it must have been Tarver or Johnson. Yeah, they, now, were, they were back to back. And now he's fighting down like in Florida against. Does he even have an opponent yet? He's fighting in Russia. He's fighting in Florida. Yeah, but he, he's fighting like no name guys. It, that bothers me about boxing. There's some of the hanger ons. That, that yeah. does bother me. Yeah, you got, you got to be careful with that. It's 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 hard to get away, um, you know. And, and you got to have people around you that that, that care about you. Um, at least Roy is not doing what he was a couple years ago and fighting like mm. like top guys. Like he was for a while there, yeah. he was you know definitely not the same guy, but also fighting like top ten guys. Uh, when he fought Enzo Macarelli, I was like, oh no! When they were talking about that fight, I was like, that's a bad fight. That guy can really fight. And yeah. He's big. Yeah, and in fact, uh, the the uh, promoters in Russia were very upset with the promoter that put it on and kind of uh, believe they like world of boxing. Like they didn't talk to that promoter for a while mm-hmm. because they were mad that they even went ahead with that fight. Yeah. So the state of boxing now, mm-hmm. everyone uh, as a guys like you and Eddie who know every guy who's going to fight Triple G Canelo is the fight. That's yeah. the fight. May mm-hmm. is it May fifth? Yeah, it's around that. Yeah, oh, that's it's always single mile. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be great because. Mm-hmm. That's always the best day because you got Kentucky Derby during the day. Yeah, it, it's it's always the best. It's always the best thing. You have Kentucky Derby. You hang out. You sober up, and you get ready for the huge fight. It's mm-hmm. always like one of the best sports days of the year. Triple G Canelo, who's going to win? Because uh, he won the first. Triple G won the first fight. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought Triple G won the first fight, even though it was a draw. Um, mm-hmm. I just he just he just seemed to control more of the time, and that, and that's that's a lot of what boxing is control. So um, I it, it's going to go one of two ways. I'm leaning toward Triple G. Mm-hmm. I just think that he 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 figured something out in, in the first fight, and towards the end of the fight, he was he was much more in control. Um, Canelo's a super fast starter, awesome combinations, was really ripping them, and he looked awesome that night. He really did. I'm, I take nothing away from from Canelo that night. He looked great. Um, but I just think Triple G starts a little earlier this time, and we get a, a pretty similar fight. 
Triple G maybe a little more dominant, maybe starting earlier and maybe a little bit more dominant at the end and then gets the decision. Um, or Canelo's youth and Triple G's age show up. That that could be a big uh, factor. Yeah, um, yeah, and then and back I think, is I think Canelo legend. has a very good team, and I think he's going to make a lot of adjustments because yeah. I think they know that they didn't quite win that fight. All right, because now I was going to bet the fight, and now you guys both split it. So now I just fuck, you fucked me, both of you guys. <laughs> what fights need to happen in 2018? <laughs> Joshua, Wilder. Joshua Wilder, man, has to Ooh. now. Does, does uh, any of them have to fight Tyson Fury beforehand, or is that just more? No, nah, I don't think so. I, I, no, I, okay. I, think, uh, I I do believe that he has been out long enough that he's an he's a non-issue. Who, Tyson Fury? Yeah. Okay. Um, not that he's not very dangerous and a very good fighter, mm-hmm. um, and, he, and he, he matters, but I think that, that Wilder and Joshua have been so busy and covered so much ground uh, respectfully that they, they just need to fight. They're the top, top guys. Jerry Cooney said the fight that has to happen is Thurman versus Spence, does yeah, it? it does. Has to salute. Yeah, Thurman versus Spence and Joshua Wilder are the two fights that have to happen besides Triple G. Agreed. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. What else? What else? Um, yeah, those. I mean, those. Those. Those are the big ones. You, you mentioned commentary. I don't even think we were on the air. Is that something you want to get into at all? Or no. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I've I've been so involved in fight sports for so long and watching fights for such a long time, um, and I still love the the sport and have a passion for it. Um, I I even I'll do local. I did I called a fight an MMA fight down in Florida like two weeks ago. <laughs> Just you know, to do something. They, you know, they, they're like, hey, we got a show. You want to come down? I'm like, sure. I'm like, uh, you know, like, you, I'll jump on there and guest commentator, you know, if you guys want me to. They're like, uh, that'd, be, that'd be great. I'm really? Like, really? I'm like, yeah, I have a kickboxing background. I have a wrestling background. I could definitely, you know, I can I can do MMA. They're like, all right, that's right, you do. Like, I'll talk to the guy. <laughs> I jumped in. I did like three fights. Like, you know, it, and it's fun. I like to do that. I like to watch fights and I like to, to you know, comment. And I, I think I have some good things to say. So, um, yeah, no, that's something that I would definitely be into. But it's... It's one of those jobs. There's not a lot of jobs. No, I know, I know. Not a lot of jobs, like, and and it's it's kind of like a lifelong thing. Like Paulie's in, and he's he's going to do this for that's his thing twenty now. years. That's oh, his thing. And now. He's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's really good at it. Um, you know, you got the Roy Joneses and Andre Wards. It's and like once Jim you Lampley's. secure yourself and you're you're in now, you lock yourself in, yep. and that's your thing. Even, even with the NFL guys, a lot of the NFL guys are like shit. I should have got in a couple of years ago because you're locked in now. Mm-hmm. You're you're a fan of the sport. You're going to watch whoever that is. Now that's your guy. Yep. You gotta really fuck up to get kicked out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Ed. Before I hit him with the five quick questions to end, do you have anything for him? Uh, well, um, if you were to continue on, uh, would you be looking at one forty-seven, one forty? I think I'm best served at one forty. Um, I think I can still make. I think honestly, I, I never, I never weighed forty-seven. Even when I fought at forty-seven, there was just opportunities there. Um, for the Spence fight, I was one forty-five. You know, the weigh-in didn't even, you know, didn't sweat the day of like. I can't, I can't even believe you fought that guy because he's a monster. He's an absolute monster. He barely makes the welterweight limit. He's big. I, I and I didn't understand that going into the fight um, until being in there with him. He's he's a really really big guy. And like I, like I said, like I I strolled up to the way in the day of the fight. Like okay, I'm stepping scale. And I was I was two pounds under. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm just <laughs> I'm not I'm not a built welterweight. You know, I'm not I'm not you know I've always been always been best served at 140. I'm undefeated there. That's where I'm. I didn't lose my title there. Mm-hmm. I was stripped when I fought Pacquiao. One, 140 is wide open right now with Crawford leaving. So Crawford left. A lot of the belts are, are, are have been relinquished and guys are picking them up now. But there's a lot of good fights out there. Um, a lot yeah. of good fights that people don't really know a whole lot about are these guys. But you know these guys can fight. If there was something like World Boxing Super Series for 140, would mm-hmm. you be interested in that? Yeah, where I think you would be... go all over the world and unify everything. That'd be great. That I mean, would I think, be. I think that would be good for the, for that weight class too because a lot of people don't know those guys. Yeah. So they're not they're not big stars yet. 
that would that would be a perfect way for them to go into next time. You gonna promote it, Ed? Uh, it's up to the guys in Germany or whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna hit you with six quick questions. You ready? Got it. Have you saved any memorabilia from fighting days? I have my gloves from the Provanica fight. You saved it. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get laid because you had the belt? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbest purchase you ever made with like a big payday? Oh shit. Uh, <laughs> uh, well. I- I know my smartest was who's paying off my school loans. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or my dumbest. Because pressing that button really sucked. It was forty six thousand oh. dollars. <laughs> that was the Bronagon fight. And I was I was I literally I netted six thousand dollars in that fight. I was hyped because once I paid my team and I paid everybody and then I literally was like I got home and I think it was Tuesday after the fight, I went and I paid off my school loans and it was forty six thousand dollars with a with a press of a button. I'm going to say that's the dumbest because even though it was the smartest thing you ever done, you have to say dumb. Yes, okay. agreed. Yep. Dream fight opponent. It doesn't, in the history of boxing, doesn't matter. One guy you wish, like, you know what? I wish I could have gotten in the ring with that dude and fought who? And it, this, is this, is this like in the pound for pound realm where it doesn't really matter? Anything size? that matters. One guy you want to be in the ring with and, and punch and get punched by. Oh, boy, man. Um, I'm going to have to say Alexis Arguello. Why? I always grew up watching him and I loved his style. And I just think that I could have given him a lot of trouble because of my athleticism. And he's, he, you know, he, he had killer power and he was a long, strong guy. But I think if I could have been a little shifty on him, I could have given him some issues. I think it would have been a great fight. One place you wish you want to fight in. One arena, one theater, one place you want to fight in. Um, big room, Madison Square Garden, main event. Main oh. event, big room, Madison Square Garden. You and I are at a bar. You want to impress everybody there. Mm-hmm. Who's the coolest person in your phone that you can text that would text you right back? And now, Chris, I have access to 148 guests on the podcast. And we've had, we've had answers from Michael Jordan to we had some shitty answers. Who's the coolest cat that if you text them, it doesn't have to be a boy, mm-hmm. but you have so-and-so's phone number in your phone. If you text them, they'll text you back. Who is it? Oh, shit. You got to answer it. Oh, Roy Jones Jr. So if you texted Roy Jones... 1,000%. Roy Jones Jr. All right. That, that, that wins that one. And last two. Does Chris Algieri fight in 2018? Yes. Definitely? Yes. Okay. And what goes through your mind during a stare down? Because I, I saw Bernard, Bernard Hopkins. I was at uh, Cooney's show. Uh-huh. And Bernard Hopkins was in there. And I'm like, dude, how does a stare down work? And he stared... Dude, I was so scared. <laughs> and I'm bigger than Bernard Hopkins. And he stares me down. What goes through your face during a stare down? I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah, in your mind, like, I'm going to oh, beat yeah. the shit out of like, this dude. I'm, I'm going to be able to put my hands on you legally soon. And, and, that's, and that's, how you, that's your mindset. Like, I'm going to oh, yeah. beat, and you, such drive, such hate. Oh, yeah. It's not a hate. It's just like, it's just like, like I'm like biting my lip. I'm like, a better oh, man than you. It. I'm going to beat you up. This is it. You're going to make me look great. <laughs> so Chris Algieri fights 2018. Yeah. yeah. Not in China. Maybe. You don't, you don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I fight, yeah. Anything else, Ed? So if you're gonna fight a 140, what would be? Give him his fight, Ed. I want to. You tell I, me. You t- gonna, wrap it up with is, you tell me who he's fighting in 2018. If I was your manager, well, knowing you, you want to fight a name, and you want to fight a name. You want a main event. A guy who's around 140. How about Adrian Broner? Great fight. I, I say do it at the Barclays Center. Headline. Great fight. Is that a legitimate? Now you just threw it out there. Is that a legitimate even possibility? Absolutely. I mean, it absolutely is a, is, is a possibility. Um, Adrian's fought over here this year, so yeah. he's a draw in New York now. You're a New York guy. It's a perfect I match. I would also love that Amir Khan rematch. Even at 47, I'd go up for that. Yeah, in, in uh, like a stadium Where somewhere in England. 
Yeah, forever. That forever. would be, that, that would be pretty good. That's 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 that's. I mean, tell me, like I said, that one that one's still still burning. Dude, I'll be honest, and I'm, I'm going to end with this. Like, I actually see your faces glowing now, thinking about getting back in the ring. Yeah, oh yeah, hell yeah. Amazing, my friend. Thank you for coming on, bro. Absolutely. That was really Thanks fun. Thank me. you. Yep.